106, throw out the lifeline, him 106 in your hymn books, throw out the lifeline. by the way that so often we as Christians we say I'm praying for you we tell people we're praying for them we do a lip service but we never do it hello I'm, I'm serious I'm, I'm, I'm saying just across the board how often we meet a brother or sister I've been praying for you or I'm praying for you I will pray for you and we never do it and I think it's a travesty by the way but First uh, Corinthians 11 verse 2 says now I praise you brethren that you remember in all things it's a theme of this year to remember 
remember me. Remember our missionaries. Remembering our missionaries is more than just forgetting, uh, not forgetting who they are. Rather, as in this scripture, the word remember here means to be mindful of or to set our minds on. If we set our minds on something, we'll set our hearts on it, by the way. And if we set our hearts on it, we'll set our minds on it. But Philippians 1 verse 19, Paul writes, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer in the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. While there is much to consider in this verse, uh, we need to consider another way in which we remember our missionaries. First, Paul recognized that prayer support is essential in the essential component in remembering our missionaries. Missionaries tell you that the number one thing that they ask for is that you pray for them. And yet it's probably one of the most forgotten things that we do. The Spirit-empowered missionaries are dependent upon passionate prayer partners. I would much rather have somebody praying for me than providing for me because my God shall supply. Amen. Amen. By the way, if we truly pray for our missionaries the way that we should, God will move us yes. to provide for the needs that they have. Amen. Amen. A good prayer list contains more than just names. It has definite needs. We ought to have a prayer list of our missionaries and the needs that they have, which means we better, we better read their prayer letters. By the way, missionaries know whether you read their prayer letters or not, especially when they come back on furlough and you don't even remember who they are or you don't remember the last letter that they wrote and the last need that they even put in their prayer letter and you don't mention any of the prayer needs that they've mentioned in the last few letters. They know whether you've prayed for them or not. Pastor Clarence Sexton once said, Nothing is dynamic until it is specific. Nothing is real until it is personal. We need to be specific and personal in our prayers for our missionaries. Paul shares in Philippians 1 verse 4 that he prayed for this supporting church joyfully. By the way, he wasn't in a joyful place when he said that. And and when he prays for them joyfully, he's in a very, very desperate place. A very discouraging place when he writes that, I believe. The missionaries should pray for their supporting churches, but we must be certain to pray for our missionaries. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 and 2, it says, Finally, brethren... Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Can I remind you and plead with you to pray for their labors? Pray for their endeavors. And along with that, pray for laborers. We are commanded to pray for laborers for the harvest. And one thing I think that missionaries desire is that there be more laborers sent to their fields. It's easier to glean when you have more gleaners, if you will. And pray for liberty, that the word of God would have free course. And that they would have liberty to share the gospel the way that we do here. Pray for their lives. And we didn't live in a dangerous place by most standards there in Carlisle, just, well, we were south of Scotland. We were pretty close to the barbarians, so we were pretty close. We didn't have our lives threatened by any means there in England, but we still went through physical trials where sometimes our lives were at risk just from the normal everyday physical trials that we would go through. 
and I revert back and remember even thinking this of the time that Brianna had her surgery there in England just a year before, a little bit over a year before we moved back. And um, she was having her total colectomy, having her whole large bowel removed. I was in the same hospital on a different floor having another procedure. I wasn't able to be there with my wife. We had a good friend of ours, Brother Kent Gosmeyer, that drove all the way up from southern England and went back and forth, me to my wife, me to my wife, and making sure she was taken care of and ministered to and prayed with her while Brianna was having her surgery, and he would come down and pray with me and give me updates while I was having my procedure. And I'm thankful for somebody that was willing to even drive that far just to have prayer with us. And that same missionary... When Noah had his major surgery, having a tumor removed from his sinuses, after we had moved back to the States, flew all the way from England just to be here. To have prayer with us by the bedside of our son. And I wonder how many of us would go to that length to pray for our missionaries. That ought to convict us. And pray for their labors and for their liberties and for their lives. But may I also say pray for their love. Pray for their love for the lost. Pray for the love of the people that they minister to. Can I just tell you it's easy to get disenchanted on the mission field and discouraged on the mission field. And there's days that you just throw up your hands and you say, why am I even here? I'm not seeing fruit. I'm not seeing the results that I desire to see. And the people that I'm trying to minister to don't even want me here. That's the reality of some mission fields. We need to pray for their love for the lost. But let me also just say this. Pray for the love of their families. Thinking back, you know, it's been 20 years since we went to England. But in the first couple years, the first two years we were there in England, I can think of 12 missionary families that came off the field in the first two years we were there. Many because they had some family struggles and they lost the love for one another. When you're alone by yourself on the mission field, the devil will do everything he can to cause division and strife, even amongst a husband and wife or children and their families and their moms and their dads. So pray for the love of that family. Every Sunday morning I get up at 4 a.m. Sometimes I don't get to bed till 1 or 2 in the morning on Saturday nights. Wee hours Sunday mornings, but I get up four o'clock almost every Sunday morning just to have prayer with one of our missionaries. We'll video chat. We'll share some burdens. We'll share some praises with each other. And then we just spend about a half hour just taking turns praying for one another. You know what? That may just be what keeps one of your missionaries on the field. Remember me. Remember our missionaries in moral support and in prayer support. So, amen. Uh, Brother Carter has been a blessing already, and uh, we're just getting going. So, appreciate his family, and they're just dear friends. And so, 
Again, Brother Carter, you all sing for us, and then when you're done, preach the message and preach the word of God. So. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Amen. Praise the Lord. close to a mic. That's right, the narrow road, the one I want to travel, the narrow road, just holding Jesus' hand, the narrow road, the one I want to live on, even though the world may never understand. travel the narrow road just holding Jesus hand the narrow road the one I want to live on even though the world may never understand this narrow road that we walk down is not the easy one you travel the narrow road just holding Jesus hand the narrow road the one I want to live on even though the world may never understand the narrow road the one I want to travel the narrow road just holding Jesus' hand. The narrow road, the one I want to live on, even though the world may never understand. Even though the world may never understand. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Well, we
we praise the Lord. I tell you, we didn't. Uh, we don't try to. Uh, make our kids sing. We're thankful they uh, they want to sing, and uh, we kind of got going in the quartet because it was like, I mean, fights and everything while we're trying to do family practice. I know we're supposed to be Christians, but uh, we said, all right, we're not fighting. Or we're not fighting about music. We're going to get up and sing, and and uh, so uh, we uh, we got to where now we're not fighting as much. So we get to sing more of family. So that's kind of a new one, all right. And uh, we're working on, but uh, it's been good. I mean, you laugh. It's I'm serious. You try to get your family together to sing. You talk about, I mean, WWE, I'm telling you, it comes out. It's people jumping off the top of the piano. You got the note still? Amen. All right. On a hill called Calvary, Jesus my Lord suffered for me. Carried the cross all the way, my sins to atone, my sins to atone. Then they nailed him to a cross, great was the shame and the loss. He suffered it all, he suffered it all, because he loved me, because he loved me, because he loved me, my Savior died, on a cross was crucified, no greater love by mortal man has ever been known, has ever been known, oh praise his dear name, he loved me so, now I am his, he's mine, I know, he suffered it all, he suffered it all, because he loved me, because he loved me. Then they married him away, placed him in a lowly grave. Surely they thought that this would be the end of this man, the end of this man. But on the third and glorious day, God came and rolled the stone away. He rose from the dead, he rose from the dead. Because he loved me, because he loved me, because he loved me, my Savior died. On a cross was crucified. No greater love by mortal man has ever been known, has ever been known. Oh, praise his dear name, he loved me so. Now I am his, he's mine, I know. He suffered it all, he suffered it all. Because he loved me, because he loved me. Oh, praise his dear name, he loved me so. Now I am his, he's mine, I know. He suffered it all. He suffered it all, he suffered it all, because he loved me, because he loved me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to know he's alive. Amen. And uh, I'm glad to have that hope. Find Matthew and chapter number 7. Matthew and chapter number 7. And uh, I, man, I, I came here thinking I knew exactly, I got the... Lord's already shown me the road map, and Pastor and I were talking this morning, and then we talked a little more in the afternoon, and after our first talk in the morning, I, I, my mind just kind of went to this text, and uh, then the afternoon went further to this text, and, and guess where we are tonight? Not where I thought we were going, we're here, amen, in uh, Matthew 7, and uh, I want to preach this tonight, uh, beware false prophets, beware uh, false prophets. And so stand with me, if you would, in honor of the Word of God. We're going to begin reading in verse number uh, 13. <clears throat> verse number 13 of Matthew and chapter number 7. It says this, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And look at this, notice this, And many, many there be which go thereat. Don't forget that word many. It's going to come up again here in just a moment. It says in verse 14, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, 
but inwardly they are ravenous, ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now look at verse 22. Many, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wondrous works, and I will profess unto them, to who the many, the many, I never knew you, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. And tonight, by the grace of God, I want to preach this to you, beware false prophets, beware false prophets. Let's go to the Lord. In prayer, dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for uh, those who came this evening. Lord, I'm, I'm just always thankful anybody comes back. And, and Lord, uh, once again, we desire to hear from you tonight. Uh, Lord, uh, there's no word I can speak that would be of any profit to this congregation. Uh, Lord, I pray that you just would allow your spirit to minister your word uh, to this body. Lord, that they might be able to be helped. And, and God, I pray that our hearts, our minds would be turned. Uh, to uh, the need of our missionaries, Lord God, that we would remember them. Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, as we uh, just uh, gather in this time, Lord, it, uh, it would be for the purpose of, Lord, knowing your heart and your mind for world missions from this church this year. Lord God, I pray you'd help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Again, in trying to stay with the theme. I understand that you stop and go, man, I, I don't know that's really a traditional missions text, and I, I, I do understand that, but at the same time, I believe it will get to a big part of uh, a need that our missionaries have that we ought to remember. I, uh, I was, uh, uh, as, a young, as a young man, I, uh, I, I guess I was given some advice. People will ask you sometimes, uh, what's the best advice you've ever got? Have you ever asked anybody that? Or you, if you were asked that, would you be able to say, I know what the best advice I ever uh, received was. And I, I have a couple things that if I'm ever asked that question, I have a couple things I respond. Uh, the, one of them is uh, advice that I received from my uh, pastor when I was in Bible college. Uh, I was asking him a question. It was a deep, deep uh, you know, life question, so deep that I don't remember what the question was uh, today. I mean, that's how deep it was. And, and uh, we, we we just had a, a moment where we were talking. I asked him this very, you know, spiritual question, and he said, "Hmm, that's interesting. I'll tell you in six months." And I thought, and he turned around, and walked away, and I'm like, well, "What do you mean you'll tell me in six months? I I need the answer now." And the reality was, I didn't need the answer now. And six months after that, I didn't remember that I had a question, but he did. And he came up to me and he said, "Hey, did God ever give you an answer on that uh, the thing we were talking about?" And I like. Huh? He said, don't remember, I told you I'd give you an answer in six months. And he said, uh, I said, yeah, I remember that. And he said, yeah, sometimes the things we think are you know, huge and big in our lives really aren't as big as they, we really make them out to be. He said, sometimes we just make a mountain out of a molehill. I'm like, that's good advice, I'll tell you in six months. I've, I've tried to use that on a few people and they just, you know, 
And he's like, I don't get it, you know. And and but but sometimes we just make uh, you know a way bigger deal out of something instead of just having faith that God's in control. And, and we think somebody else has to give us an answer. Somebody else has to you know uh, meet this need for us. And we just need to be patient and wait on God. There's a lot about that in the Word of God. If you're not aware, just be patient, and God will be God, and He'll be faithful, and you can count on that. He just absolutely will. Just be patient. The the second uh, best advice, and probably the best advice I think I ever got in the ministry as a as a as a preacher as a pastor the best advice i i ever got though would i i would say came from a man named chester thrift and uh brother thrift if you'd be praying for him his wife just passed away uh this uh this last week and uh he's a, a just a great man of god pastored in deltona florida for 150 years or something like that he and his wife have just been faithful servants of god and uh and he's a uh just a, a great friend but uh the when my wife and i were starting a church in Grandview, Washington, and we had literally, we knew, thought we like had all these plans, and uh, it only took us like six, eight months to figure out we had no clue in the world what we were doing, and, uh, but we were, you know, we were starting this church, and we're all excited, and, and he preached a, a men's conference that I went to, and, and uh, just got a moment to talk to him, he said, uh, Brother Josh, can I give you the best ministry advice I ever received, and I, I said, well, Pastor Thrift, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get my pen out, honestly, uh, I mean, I was like, I mean, if he's been pastoring, and and pastored for like 60 something years i'm like if this is the best ministry advice he's ever gotten i need to write this down and and this is what it was he said learn how to lose people and again i kind of stepped back and went learn how to lose people i'm starting a church not to lose people we're gonna win people that's what we're gonna do we're gonna go out and win the masses we're gonna blow the city up you know it is my mind and and he said, uh, he said, I can tell you're a little confused. He said, it'll make sense. It makes a whole lot of sense now, 20 years later. A whole lot of sense. But he said, I, I know you look a little confused, but he said, I'm, I'm very serious. Learn how to lose people because God's going to bring someone to your church and you're going to need to minister to them. And if you're still hurting over what you lost, you're never going to be able to minister unto the people that God brings. He said, you need to be ready and you need to be prepared and you need to be fresh in the pulpit. And he said, you you can't sit around and and, and cry over people that leave. And and that's just a reality in in the ministry. People come and go. They come and go. And and that's a a hurtful thing. I I want you to understand, uh, that's really difficult uh, uh, for any pastor. I'm talking any pastor that is truly a minister uh, uh, does never enjoy watching someone say, you know what, I'm out of here. I'm telling you, if they, if they enjoy uh, uh, watching someone leave, they're not worth their salt. They're not worth their salt. I'm telling you, because uh, uh, they, they, if they're the kind of pastor they should be, they've invested in that individual. And even, even in bad situations, uh, uh, when people have left uh, uh, our ministry or left a church I was pastoring, uh, uh, I mean, sometimes we joke and say, you know, it's good when some people come and it's good when some people go. I, I'm telling you, a part of your, I'm just kind of joking, right? But I'm telling you, if you've invested in them and you've ministered to them, uh, part of you breaks inside when someone gets to a point where they just will not surrender to the will of God. They will not be humbled before God. And, and in pride, they walk out acting like, man, that preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. When I, I'm just telling you, uh, your preacher knows a lot better what he's talking about uh, uh, than, than, than you think he does sometimes. He absolutely does. And, and, and I'm telling you, a, a preacher that is actually investing in people and has a heart to invest in people, it, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, uh, there is a pain that goes with them when somebody walks out the door. 
It absolutely does every time. And, 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 and so uh, I want us to understand tonight uh, uh, that uh, our, our missionaries, you think about uh, uh, the reality of, man, we have 100 people and someone leaves and, and they're no longer here. And, and that's a difficult thing. Uh, imagine if you didn't have 100 people, you just had one people, one person. We have a missionary, our, the Keisters, I mentioned them here the other day. They, they uh, reached a lady, uh, she's a Catholic, and, and, uh, and she got saved. And she, for a while, that's the only lady the Keisters have had coming. And uh, she came to a, a service here just a few months ago, and she said, uh, I'm not coming anymore, I'm going back to the Catholic Church. Now they got nobody. I'm telling you, that's, that's difficult. That's hard. That is really hard, and you say, "Well, well, what's the problem?" Is is because uh, uh, you say, "Was she saved? Did she get saved?" I, I I don't I don't know. We'll know when we get to heaven. I know this, uh, uh, but she had left the Catholic Church. She was now going to their church, and then someone came along and began to uh, uh, encourage her. No, you need to come back to the Catholic Church. You need to come back to where all your friends are. Come back to where your family is. Come back, come back, come back. And and, and I'm telling you, there were false prophets. There were false prophets. And in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord is giving his disciples, a, if you will, a, a, a discipleship class. I, 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 that's why I like to call the Sermon on the Mount. It's discipleship with Jesus. Uh, I mean, it's just Jesus teaching his disciples how to be disciples. And, and you and I ought to be living that same lesson that he's teaching and living the same things that he is, is teaching. And it, probably one of the most notable teachings from the Sermon on the Mount it, it is found in chapter number 5 and verse number uh, uh, 13 through 16 where Jesus uh, uh, said, listen, I want you to be salt and light. I want you to be salt and light. I want you to preserve the things that are around you. And I want you to shed light on things uh, uh, that are around you. I, I don't want you to be Worthless, and I don't want you to be hidden in your Christianity, in your in your profession of who, of who I am, and you're living out uh, of who I am. I don't want you to be worthless and hidden. I desire that you'd be valuable. I desire that you'd be visible. I, I mean, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and I, I'm telling you, uh, uh, just lessons all through the Sermon on the Mount uh, uh, that we can glean from and that we can grow by. And, and, and he, 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 in this uh, uh, text, as he goes on, all through the Sermon on the Mount, just giving illustration after illustration, just bring out pictures of what he desires for us to be and trying to help us to uh, uh, be what we ought to be as a disciple of Christ. He tells us right here in verse number 15 that we are to beware false prophets were to beware false prophets as disciples of Jesus Christ no, no no as those who are following after Christ we need to beware that there will be some people that will be coming after you and they'll be seeking after you uh, that are a false prophet and they do not have your good in mind and he tells us to beware them he tells us how to beware them and then he tells us how to identify them uh, in, in, in this text that we read this evening he tells us why to beware them in verse number 13 and 14 Verse 13 and 14, he says, uh, he, he says, enter ye in at the straight gate. All right? Uh, and uh, for, uh, and, and uh, he says, enter at the straight gate, and, and, for, and broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction. Many there be uh, uh, that go thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And so he, he is contrasting these two things here uh, 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 for us tonight. He said, listen, uh, you need to avoid or you be careful of the wide gate. 
need to be careful of the wide gate. There's a wide gate that you can go there. There's a broad way uh, uh, that you can go there. Uh, we can understand this idea of broad and, and wide by, by being open and easy. Right? There, there's, no restri- there's no restraint to go down the broad way. Uh, there is no restraint to go at the wide gate. There is a, a, an easy pathway to get there. You don't have to try to go the broad way. Uh, you don't have to, I mean, it's not like you're, uh, uh, you're going to uh, uh, work at going there. If you don't try at all, that's where you're going to end up. Uh, uh, we can kind of illustrate when we think of broad, uh, when we think of wide. Come on, you can think of the, the interstate highway. I think it's 270 that does the loop around town. I mean, uh, it's like six lanes wide the other night. We were driving on it, big big super highway. And uh, I'm telling you, you could just pick any other any lane you wanted to, and you could just zig and zag all across that thing. Maybe you'll get a ticket, but, but you can have a little bit of fun on that wide gate. Then you get on the roads leading up to the church. And you go, you get off that that edge of that road just a little bit. You're going to have some major car problems. You're going to major problem. I mean, it's not, you don't just you got you better be d- diligent when you're driving on the backwoods here. Amen. You better just be diligent uh, uh, about it, or, or you're going to have problems. So we have the wide and the broad way uh, uh, with with contrast to the straight gate uh, and the narrow way. Uh, I mean, kind of like the roads here, or or if you would think of like not not the super highway, but your own driveway. Uh, like, I mean, uh, uh, you, you better pay attention. We're we're tra- teaching teenagers how to drive cars, amen. And we have a garage, and uh, and and I'm I'm like really leery about letting them pull cars in and out of the garage because there's some barriers like on either side of that door that that really can do damage to cars and i know it's just a car but it's my car and i like my car and and, and so does miss stacy likes my car too it's a it's a nice car and, and and i want it to look the way it looked the last time i left it in the garage so when it comes to going out and going in the garage i'm just i mean just part of me i'm, I'm letting them do it i'm trying to help them grow and but i'm telling you part of me just tenses up and cringes every time i even think about them pulling in and out uh, uh, of our garage because it's well it's just straight and if you're not careful, uh, the car is no longer straight. You know, nor is my wife's house any longer straight, and she isn't going to be happy uh, about that. And there, we understand these terms of wide and straight and broad and narrow. Uh, honestly, uh, they are terms of measurement. That's what they are. They, uh, they, they are terms of measurement. And, and each and every one of them, both of them, they lead to a specific destination. No, no, it's a term of measurement that leads to a specific uh, uh, destination. Uh, uh, We can think of it like this. Jesus said this. I, singular, (laughs) I am the way. The way. I I mean, it's very, very, listen, very exclusive. Uh, There's, as opposed to uh, what a lot of religion would teach today, and that is this. Uh, Listen, uh, you just need to pick a way. To get to heaven. That's how some people will dis- define salvation. That man, I mean, getting to getting to God is like you know getting getting down to Cincinnati. You know, you just you just start driving down a road and and you just pick the road you want. You pick the road you want to travel on, and and you can get there a hundred different ways from here. I- I'm telling you, there's one way to get to God. And that's through Christ Jesus. And so when we're talking about the, the wide gate and the broad way and the straight gate and the narrow way, we're, we're talking specifically about that, that they, that they lead to specific destinations. One leads to destruction. 
That would be the wide and the broad way. It leads directly to destruction. One leads to life. That would be the straight and the narrow. But, but they, they, they only lead to those places. It's not like, man, I was on the broad way, but I got to the right destination. No, 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 no. You didn't go on the broad way and get to the right destination. You'll either go in at the straight gate... You'll either go in at the narrow way if you're going to make the destination of life. If you decide you're going to go the broad way, friend, listen, it has one specific destination according to the Word of God, and that is destruction. Absolutely. And then in verse number 15, he says, beware. Beware. Now, I mean, when you see the sign... Beware, You know, some people put their uh, uh, sign on their door, beware this house protected by Smith and Wesson. And, uh, you know, I, I remember one of my favorite beware signs is uh, beware. If you try to cross this field, make sure you do it in 5.62 seconds because uh, the bull can do it in six, you know, or something like that, you know. And, uh, but, Joel, go ahead. You can cross at your own, at your own uh, uh, caution. You can cross. And, and, and it's interesting. I, I thought I knew exactly what beware meant i mean that was where the things uh, uh that came in my mind uh, uh but but trying to just study the word of god i looked it up anyway i just thought i'm just gonna look up what it means and uh and, and it means it does mean to have caution beware right i mean there is a part of the the definition of it it it, it means to have restraint that, that hey listen uh, uh, you, you don't just need to go on a, uh, uh, go down this road 100 miles an hour you, you're coming up to a turn you might want to use some restraint you might want to use some caution uh, uh, you might want to slow down ladies just a little bit amen my wife uh, I say I, I pick on ladies my wife we went up to uh, uh, California went down to California one time and uh, we uh, we just had a few days we were just messing around and, and we thought man let's go up to uh, uh, Yosemite and we went up to Yosemite have you ever been up to uh, Yosemite National Forest there and National Park? And, and uh, I'm telling you, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, uh, but it's on narrow little roads that wind, zig and zag and zig and zag. And uh, my wife believes I take those as a challenge. And I do, right? Uh, uh, I, uh, I want to, I mean, let's, let's have fun. I mean, we got, uh, uh, we got good tires. I made sure of it. We can, we can take these turns. We can, we can have a good time. And, and, and so we went up to Yosemite one day and she's like grabbing my arm Joshua, Joshua, Joshua. I mean, the whole time. And, and, and so then the next day, uh, uh, we went up to the, the Redwoods. We saw General Sherman. We drove uh, over to the Nat Sequoia National Forest. And, and, uh, and, she was, uh, and I drove up one side of this mountain range up to General Sherman. And we got pictures with the kids. It was a great day. Really awesome. Seeing those huge, giant uh, uh, redwood trees. And, and then uh, she, uh, we are going back to the car. She said, give me the keys. What do you mean, give me the keys? He's like, give me the keys. I'm like, why? She's like, I am not getting in the car with you if you don't give me the keys. And I don't know, I think she's pretty good looking. I like, I want her to go with me. You know, I'm not going to leave her here. You know, that's probably not going to work out very well. And uh, so I gave her the keys, and, and then I looked at the map. And it's like a little hairpin after hairpin turn going all the way down. I'm telling you, it just blew my mind. I, I, I couldn't even believe, because that's like an old road. I mean, her parents grew up in Riverside, California, and they tell stories about going up there in church buses. I, could, I, I mean, we got to points in our suburban where we're looking down over the side of the mountain, and it's just like straight down. And uh, I couldn't imagine going through there in a 1950 school bus, you know. Uh, I mean, like, that's just insane going down that road uh, with brakes that don't work. I couldn't even imagine. But, but anyway, 
we're off course. We're off course. We've got to get back on track. Okay? Beware. It, it means this. It means to, uh, to have special regard to. You need to have special regard to. Uh, it means but rather. Uh, the word means uh, but moreover. So it, 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 he's just given us this instruction on the broad way and, and the straight gate and the wide gate and the narrow way. He's just giving us his, these instructions. He's trying to help us understand that they have destinations they're going to. And, and, and really the understanding is you want to make sure you're on the right way. You want to make sure you're going in the right gate. And so then he says the word beware. So it's like he said, listen, you want to make sure you're going in the right gate. I say that so then that you will beware false prophets. I'm making you aware of the fact that these ways exist. Uh, that if you're not careful, if you're not deliberate, that you might find yourself on the broad way when you thought you were on the narrow way. I say that so then you will beware. His instruction of the gates is for us that we would beware false prophets. Well, well, why? Because a false prophet is leading you somewhere. No, a false prophet is leading you somewhere. Uh, uh, either to the wide gate and the broad way or the straight gate and the narrow way because the, ends, uh, the, because the end destination of every soul is important. Amen. No, no, because everyone is going to spend an eternity somewhere. Their end destination matters. The destination of their life matters. So then, friend, you better beware. You better beware. Because the prophet or the teacher you are following is very, very important. Come on, come on. No, no, no. You better beware because uh, uh, there are false teachers out here. And, and there is a broad way and a narrow way. And you better beware whom you are following and whom you are listening to. Who you are letting speak into your life. Because you're going to end up at a destination someday. And you want to make sure that you end up in the right destination. I don't know if you're like me. But if I'm not paying attention sometimes, I can be driving and find myself going home. When I intended to go to the grocery store. I, I'm not joking. If I'm talking on the phone, I will wind up in the parking lot of the church sometime. I'll pull right into the parking space that I always pull into. And, and, and I'll get out of the car. I'll start walking in the building and stop and go, what am I doing here? <laughs> Why am I walking? I, I mean, I, I, I had to go back to the car and sit down. Like, where was I really? Oh, yeah. And I remember where I was going. Because I'm not paying attention. And friend, listen, you better pay attention what direction you're going and, and where the end destination uh, is leading. You need to be careful what prophet or teacher you are following and you are allowing to speak into your life. Because friend, listen to me. They might be trying to lead you in a way that is not narrow but broad. Yeah. Very possible. And, and Jesus gives us some instruction on how to identify false prophets. In verse number 16 through verse number 20, he says, listen, you'll know them by their fruits. You're going to know them by their fruits. You, you need to be aware of them and you need to be aware of the end destination. And you will know them uh, by their fruits. False prophets are, are not a new concept that Jesus is presenting to his disciples here. Uh, uh, the Old Testament is filled with warnings about false prophets. Moses in Deuteronomy chapter number 13. You can go read that later. Uh, but he teaches how to identify a false prophet to the people of Israel. Way back in Deuteronomy in chapter number 13. 
Uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zephaniah, they all dealt with false prophets, and they all dealt with the abuse of false prophets, and they all were warning people in their day that, listen, you better beware these false prophets because they're trying to lead you away from God. They're trying to lead you after themselves and get you to follow them instead of following after God. I'm telling you, if you got a preacher that is standing, and I know you do, that is standing up behind the pulpit here and opening the Word of God and saying, Thus saith the Lord, and trying to point you to Christ, I'm telling you, you don't let, you don't let anything happen to that guy. Yeah. I'm telling you, you get behind him and say, Man, I know, the, I know the goal and desire of my pastor is that I would get closer to Christ. You say, well, well, what do you mean? I mean, that there's some false prophets that are going to lead people to be closer to them. Yeah. They're going to lead people to be closer to them. And, and, and they're going to, listen, and their desire is not that you get closer to Christ, but they'll say, listen, if you get closer to me, then you'll be closer to Christ. Friend, listen to me. Uh, uh, my church, and I'm going to say this, my church doesn't need me. It needs Christ. I understand they need a pastor. But, but they don't need a pastor that's, that's saying, listen, follow me, follow me. They need a pastor that says, listen, I'm following Christ. Would you please follow me as I follow him? Amen. And I believe you have that pastor without a doubt, absolutely. Amen. You need to follow him. As a, uh, but there's going to be some that are be out there, and they're going to have a desire for you to follow them. And, and, and listen, it was not something that's new. In, in the New Testament, you'll find out Paul, Peter, Jude, they give, uh, uh, they give us a, a caution as well about false prophets that are going to come and teach and, and, and they're going to lead people away and silly women uh, 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 laden with fears, I mean, Paul says. And, and he's going to try to pull them away and lead them away. And, and even Jesus Christ in Matthew in, in chapter 24, he says this in verse number 11. He says, many false prophets shall be among you. Many false prophets. It's not like it's an old, uh, a new thing. It's not like Jesus is coming to his disciples. It's something that the people of God have been dealing with for forever, that God has given his word and God has given his direction, and false prophets come along and, and they say, no, 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 we're, we're, we're going to go this way. No, 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 we don't need to go that way. You come over this way. And hey, come on, I want to be your friend. And I, I want to teach you. And I want to help you. And, and, and I want to be a, 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 a kind of you. I, understand with me? It is the hardest thing in the world, I, I believe, to be a pastor in the day and age we live in. It's really hard. Uh, uh, because I cannot pastor a church and the internet at the same time. It is an impossibility for me. No, it's an impossibility for your pastor as well. Uh, but I'm telling you, the internet is latent with false prophets. I mean, I mean, there are false prophets everywhere. I, 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 and they are leading people out of good churches with good pastors, men of God that are trying to stand and preach, thus saith the Lord, and point people to Christ, and yet people are all constantly getting on the internet and finding some weird crazy stuff on the internet that Dr. Doolittle that has a book for sale is trying to teach to them. I'm, I'm telling you, you don't need Dr. Doolittle. You need to get on your knees and pray and read the Word of God and be at the house of God, and I'm telling you, you'll grow in Christ. You absolutely will. You say, well, I know there's, there's some interesting stuff out there on the internet. And I understand that even Abraham Lincoln himself said everything on the internet is absolutely true, you know. I understand that. But, but listen, you better beware that you don't follow a false prophet. Uh, there's not a preacher in this room that couldn't, couldn't give a testimony tonight uh, uh, of them knowing a family 
Them knowing a couple, this is actually where Pastor Travis and I were talking this afternoon. They got my mind thinking on this text and got my heart turned this direction tonight. And where my wife is dealing with a wonderful lady that was in the church there in Bellingham. And she's been communicating with my wife. And she's been going through a about a seven-year struggle with her husband. He got on the internet, started following a guy on the internet. And a couple other guys in our church got on the internet with him. And they got following a guy on the internet and listened to what he had to say and, and, and listen it wasn't like I just said ah forget him how dare you listen to somebody else no I'm telling you I spent time with him and we searched the scripture together and we looked at the word of God together and, and we tried to explain no no this is where he's off and this is where he's wrong and and, and, and listen trying to love him back to the truth and and, and they they got to where uh, they're like well I guess we just need to pray about this and think about this and you're like you really don't you really don't. He, he's, he's not trying to uh, uh, draw you uh, 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 to Christ. He's trying to draw you unto himself. And, and I made that statement. I, I'm telling you, he went back on the, and he was emailing this guy online. And, and, and he said, well, my pastor doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't agree with what you teach about uh, the subject of eschatology. And, and he said, listen, I'll tell you what you need to do. Your pastor's been blinded by Bible college and your pastor's been blinded by, the, uh, uh, by other people around him. What you need to do is you need to move down here to Arizona and join my church. <laughs> and he came to me. He's like, you were right. He's just trying to draw me into himself. I said, I, I know that's what he's trying to do. Don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. You need to get off the internet. You need, you need to get away from him. And so he got away from him. And then six months later started listening to some other crackpot on the internet. No, he did. And, and I'll tell you, all three of those men aren't even... In, uh, they're, they're, the church they're in is, is called the Hebrew Roots Movement today. I mean, they both left their families, divorced every one of them. You say, well, what's wrong? Because there are false prophets. There are false prophets. And I'm telling you, you don't support a missionary that couldn't stand and say, you know what, I, I, I poured my heart and soul into a family. I poured my life into, into that couple. I was there with them when they, when, when they were single. I saw them get saved. Uh, they got married in our church. Uh, uh, I mean, discipled both of them. Uh, I mean, I was there when their child was born. And they started giving heed to a false prophet. Now, now their lives aren't even recognizable from what God changed them into. Friend, I'm telling you, it's a reality that is out there. We better be careful. And I'm telling you what, what Brother Andy was talking about by the, the burdens that missionaries carry and the hardships they go through. I'm telling you, a lot of them are people issues uh, who are drug away by false prophets. Drug away by false prophets. We need to be careful. We find that somehow that the, the false prophets will increase more and more as much as the warning has been given from the Lord Jesus Christ and from uh, uh, other preachers in the Word of God, writers of the Word of God. Sadly, though, listen, this is a reality, that because of false prophets, the majority will go the way of destruction. Many. In verse number 13, I, I told you to mark that word when we were going through. Uh, uh, broad is the way... Uh, uh, that, that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Verse 22, many will say to me in that day. I'm telling you, the majority uh, uh, is going to go a way of uh, destruction. The major, majority of religious people 
You get this? Religious people who cried, Lord, Lord, who said in, in thy name, we've done all these great and wondrous works. We've done it in thy name. Uh, uh, they started giving ear to a false prophet. And, and when they were pricked, according to verse number uh, uh, 16, when they inspected their fruit and, and it had thistles and thorns and they were pricked by it. And, and the first time they heard it, they said, I don't know, that just that doesn't sit right with me. And, and I'm going to give ear over and over and over to it. And I'm telling you, instead of like reaching for that fruit and filling the thistles the first time and going, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I don't want to touch that. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm telling you, they just kept going back and back until they were desensitized to the thistles and the thorns that were surrounding the false doctrine of the false prophets that they were trying to espouse. And now they are part of the many instead, as opposed to part of the few. The majority of the religious people will go the way of destruction. Few will go the way that leads unto life. How is that even possible? Many are deceived by false prophets. How are they so deceived by false prophets? Because they're wolves in sheep's clothing. That's what our text tells us. That they are going about as wolves in, in, in sheep's clothing. They were fooled by the part, the acting, the, hypocr the, the hypocr hypocrisy uh, in which they lived their lives. They were fooled uh, uh, by this prophet that was going around proclaiming to have a divinely inspired message of God. And the reality was he was a false prophet uh, and he was not giving a divine message. He was not giving a divine prophecy, but he was giving a prophecy of his own desire, of his own uh, uh, sick heart that desired to have men follow after him instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. Their message seems to be good, but it is not of God. Uh, it is not of a divine inspiration uh, uh, of God, but it is a, it is a message of deception. It is a message that is for personal gain and for self-interest that they are proclaiming the message that they are proclaiming and they are doing so in sheep's clothing. Uh, they are ravenous wolves. Putting on sheep's skin does not change though who they really are. It doesn't at all change who they are. They are still ravenous wolves. Uh, they are just fading themselves to be something. The sheepskin simply allows a layer of deception by which uh, uh, they, they desire to obtain that which they wanted all along. If you're not aware, <clears throat> wolves are, uh, are predators of sheep. They just are. They just are. If you're not aware, this is a flock that you're a part of. <laughs> if you're, I mean, if you're not aware of that tonight, you're part of a flock. You are a, a, a sheep. You're part of the fold of God. And you have a shepherd that is either going to be one that is going to defend his sheep uh, from wolves, or you have a shepherd that is a hireling. No, no, those are the only two type of shepherds that the Bible talks about. Uh, I'm sorry, there's the good shepherd, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you have an under-shepherd that is going to defend a flock and is going to say, listen, this is what the good shepherd has to say, and this is what the good shepherd wants for you, and this is the way the good shepherd would want you to be led. Or you have a hireling that isn't really you know, caring about your, you at all. They only have their belly to worry about. And you're prey to them. That's how they look at you. 
That's how they, listen, that's how they, they say they look so slick on television. <laughs> they look so good on YouTube. They sound so good on their podcast. Do you don't have a podcast, do you? No, I don't have time to have a podcast. I don't know when guys find time to be podcasting. I don't know. I really don't. But, 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 but friend, listen to me. The deception doesn't change who they are. It just deceives sheep to follow after them that they might be, able to be, that they might be devoured by a false prophet. As disciples, listen, uh, let, me, let me wrap this up. As disciples, we are going to reflect, we are to reflect who he is. We are to reflect who he is. We must avoid, listen, we must avoid broad way thinking and philosophy. And, and so when your preacher gets up and, and he proclaims, listen, this is what the Word of God has to say, and, 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 and we need to live according to this book, and, and you need to change your life to reflect who, who Jesus Christ is, and you need to change your ways to reflect what this Word says, and, 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 and this is the way you should walk, and, and this is the way God would lead us, and this is the direction uh, 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 that the Holy Spirit of God is leading me. And, and, and listen to me, when, when he's doing those things, uh, he is doing so uh, that he might be able to uh, uh, preach the whole counsel of God and so he might be able to stand blameless before God and giving account for you and your soul yeah some people stop and go I don't don't think he understands that preacher of ours does not understand that we are in the 21st century he doesn't understand the new thinking that's out there and the new ways that are out there and I'm telling you he absolutely does and he realizes that there are wolves that are out there trying to get you for their own personal gain. It's not like, no, he's just trying to be narrow-minded. And he's, just trying to, he's just trying to walk. No, yeah, 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 he is. He is. For your benefit. And for the profit of this assembly. And for the profit of your children. He, he absolutely is. And, and, and listen, uh, uh, there are those that were out there that they're only given to pragmatism and the end justifies the means. They'll do anything and everything to get a bigger congregation and to get more people here. And they'll do anything and everything uh, uh, so that people will give more so that they can increase their salary and they can have more. And I'm, I'm just telling you, it's out there. If you don't believe me, you can go all the way back to Moses and find out that there were false prophets that were coming. Colossians in chapter and verse number 8 Colossians in chapter 2 and verse number 8 Paul says this beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit uh, through the traditions of men after the rudiments of this world and and guess what and not after Christ not after Christ friend listen to me Bible thinking is very narrow somebody said well just how how narrow is Bible thinking? It is literally this narrow. That's how narrow Bible thinking is. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to be weird and unapproachable in this world, but it does mean that our lives should reflect who He is and not the worldly philosophies and not the worldly culture uh, uh, that is around us. Our lives should speak to the fact uh, uh, that this book has changed us and made a difference in our lives and that we're giving heed and, and, and we're giving uh, uh, respect to the things that God has said. Our, our lives should 
absolutely reflect that. And if we're not careful, you can find yourself hearing a, 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 a false prophet out there that says, listen, Jesus is love and we just need to love one another. And I, I'm telling you, there are churches you could go to where the preaching isn't as hard. You absolutely could. And I'm telling you, every one of our missionaries, uh, it's a struggle for them. Uh, when someone comes, man, I can come here and get, get hard preaching, or, or I can go there and, and just have a good time. I'm praise the Lord. We don't, need, we don't need missionaries that are just trying to help people have a good time. We need missionaries that are trying to help people understand that there is a God in heaven. You're going to stand before him one day. You're going to give an account of yourself before God. I'm not going to be there to defend you. I'm here to get you ready for that examination that you're going to have before him one day, though. Come on. I'm telling you, it's a difficulty and it's a struggle. Listen, uh, when there are false prophets out there that, that are prophesying. I'm not saying tonight that I know who is saved and who's not. Don't, don't, get me, don't, don't take me wrong on that. I'm not saying that everything is a slippery slope, that we can't try new things. I'm, I'm for trying something new. I'm, tr- I'm, for, I'm for doing things that are, listen, uh, uh, that are, that are uh, okay with this book. But I'm just telling you, there's a lot of things that it's hard to look at and go, yeah, that, I think that would reflect the holiness of God. <laughs> You know, I, I think what they're doing, I think their means and their methods, it just really does reflect. Uh, I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that are going on in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today that, that didn't come in a, in a hundred miles of what this word would teach. It's a lot of things. I'm saying that it's okay to be as narrow as the word of God. It's okay to be that narrow. It's okay because you say, well, why is that? Because you're avoiding destruction. You're avoiding destruction. But I'm telling you, the Bible says that even though that's a truth, and even though there are going to be prophets that are going to stand and preach a true message, and listen to me, there's only a few that are going to listen. You have missionaries. I'm just telling you, you talk to missionaries, you find this out. They hate getting on a computer and typing out a letter. Because they're worried about how much fruit that you're going to think they didn't have. <laughs> I, I, I'm just to being honest with you. They're, they're, they're like, man, I've worked. I've put forth the effort. I got up. I declared the word. I studied the word. I was out witnessing. I was out inviting people to church. I was doing everything that I could possibly do to get people to come to, to Christ. And they gave their whole heart at it. I, I'm just telling you. They just see a few. And you say, well, well, what are you saying? I'm saying that should not be any shock to any one of us because that's what Jesus Christ said. There's only going to be a few. You say, well, well, I mean, but some missionaries, they, they write and they have all sorts of, you know, different, you know, uh, 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 messages. And, uh, I mean, how they've, I mean, they got 12 churches going and, and, and they've seen thousands of souls saved. And, and I'll just be honest with you. There are liars that even hang around independent Baptist churches. There are. I have a good friend. He's a national pastor in the Baja of California. Uh, we were there there in July. Uh, uh, pray for them. They got, they're right on the Baja. They got hit hard uh, uh, by the, uh, 
uh, by the hurricane that went through there. I, I, I hadn't heard from him in a few days, I reached, or a few weeks. I reached out to him. I said, how's it going? And he sent me back pictures. He, they have a little bitty building in, there in, in uh, Rosarito, Mexico. In, in the, in, in, I mean, literally, uh, it, it's right next to the old city dump. That's, that's where they live. I mean, it's just an hour over the border, and, and the people just live in, in poverty there. And, and uh, they got a little building that they built. They've been, you know, about, uh, you know, and, and, and his house, the whole roof is missing off of it. His wife and his family are living in the, uh, in the foyer of the church during the week because they don't have a roof on their house right now. I'm telling you. But he said that he has guys, he'll have American missionaries that will show up and, and they'll start taking pictures. As soon as he says, he's, he's like, he speaks as much English as I do Spanish, you know, but we, Google Translate helps us a lot, a lot. But he says he has English missionaries to show up and take pictures and, and, and want to claim that the work that's going on there is their work. This is part of our work. And they're getting lots of money doing it. So, so listen, I'm not saying that it's not that some people are just seeing a harvest. Uh, that, praise the Lord if they are. I, I'm not trying to disparage that at all. Praise God if souls are being saved. But listen, friend, if you have a missionary that is doing everything they possibly can to see souls come to Christ and they're standing for truth and they're standing for right and they're standing on the word of God and they're faithfully declaring that. I'm telling you, their work is every bit as valuable as any other work that you might support. It's every bit as valuable. Say, but why aren't they seeing greater results than this other missionary? Listen, because few will be there that go there at. Few. Friend, listen, we need to just realize that we need to make sure that we're on the right way. I'm telling you, your missionary shouldn't be sitting there going, we better get results or we're going to lose support. That, that, I'm telling you, that philosophy has been around independent Baptists for far too long and it needs to die. And, and I, I just wonder, like, honestly, if you would like put yourself up against the same expectations that sometimes, I'm not saying everybody here does, I'm just saying I've been around independent Baptists long enough to understand that there's some expectations. We gave our hard-earned money and they need to be going out doing the work. i am just been an independent Baptist long enough to know that there's some people that just have an expectation. Why don't you put that missionary's work and their effort for the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the souls of men alongside your own? Do that sometime. I wonder, I mean, how many people are in church today because of you? And I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just saying that it's difficult to win people to Christ. There's not the majority that are going to be coming to Him. It's the few. And listen to me. You and I need to give attention, making sure we're on the narrow way. Dad, you know what the greatest thing you can do is to make sure your home is on the narrow way. You can. Your home is on the narrow way. That, that Listen, we're, we're getting the world out of it. We're, we're, we're getting worldly things out of it. We're, we're making sure, I'm, I'm making sure my kids are, are, are on the narrow way that, that we're walking with the Lord. I, I'm just telling you, if every home here was determined that, listen, we're going to walk with the Lord this week. We're going to walk in the Spirit this week. We're going to be obedient to Christ this week. I, I, I'm telling you, when Pastor gets up to preach Sunday, his job is going to be so much easier. It's just going to be so much easier. 
you know, I, I, I'm saying, listen, uh, uh, there are souls that need you to be walking on the narrow way. There absolutely. Uh, moms, there are kids that need you to be walking on the narrow way. And, and church, we need missionaries that are walking on the narrow way. There are so many false prophets in the world today, and it is very easy to be led to destruction. It is very easy to be deceived. My friend, listen. There are, there are some great men of God that go and they give their life into a place, into a country that is not their own, into a people that is not their own, and they give it everything they have. And they might just see a few come to know Christ. And I'm telling you, those few are ever as much valuable to Christ and to his kingdom as any other work that anyone could ever do. Even if it's just a few. Church, beware false prophets. Pray for your missionaries that God would spare their people from false prophets. I'm, I'm telling you, church and working in the church and, and pastoring is hard enough without having to deal with all the false prophets that are out there. Pray for your missionaries to avoid false prophets, that the work of God would not be hindered in the lives of those people that they've reached. And you make sure that you're walking on the narrow way. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed.